Good morning, WrestleZone. Happy Friday. Happy Fun Friday. Happy Friday of Honor. If you've gone ahead and checked out our Frankie Kazarian promo video right on the front page of WrestleZone.com right now. Getting ready for his big ROH World Championship match this weekend against Cody on ROH TV. It's me, Nick Hausman, at WZ Rebel over on Twitter, and I am joined here today in the co-host seat for WZ Daily by the patriarch of MLW, the man who is crazy enough to get back into the game of professional wrestling promotion. It is MLW One Shots, Court Bauer. Court, welcome back to WZ Daily. Nick, good to be on with you. How's it going? Good. I, you know, I tried to, I tried to kind of make it sound dangerous, right? What you're doing here? <laughs> well, uh, just my own health, I think. But everyone else is going to be fine. Well, but I say that, but I know that's not really true. We were talking just before we got on the show here, and you were telling me everything seems to be going very smoothly for MLW One Shot. Sounds like you guys are going to have a great show on October 5th. Yeah, you know, we we have a really good team, and and. Uh... As you go on, you learn you really need a good team and you need them to have good chemistry and everyone to uh, have a certain level of experience doing this uh, because then it guarantees your chances for success are significantly higher. So back in the day when I did this, I put a lot just on myself and I thought, okay, I can take care of everything. And then you see how it mounts and it mounts and it mounts. And uh, when you multitask, you often find yourself fucking up multiple things at the same time. So uh, this time out, we really surrounded ourselves with a great crew. And from the production end to the wrestling ops end to the arena event operations and across the board, we really have. I mean, from the just the production operations end, uh, we have uh, Nelson Swegler who oversaw WWF, w, well, yeah, WWF TV operations productions. He was Kevin Dunn before Kevin Dunn. Um, I don't think I've ever talked about this. So this is an exclusive for the show. Uh, Nelson uh, ran WWF TV from the late 70s to the mid 90s. He actually uh, was the guy that designed the current day WWE TV studios that still are very much in use in Stanford. What? And uh, exec produced every Saturday night's main event of the 80s and, and the, the glory years into the 90s, every big WrestleMania, all those things. He was Kevin Dunn before Kevin Dunn. He actually hired Kevin Dunn and worked with Kevin's uh, father who worked for Nelson. Uh, and I know Nelson through our work on UFC Fight Pass. That's where we became friends. And of course, coming from wrestling, we had some great uh, stories to share about Vince. And also he had great stories from the eighties, you know, Andre Hogan, Piper, uh, Heenan gorilla, you know, he produced, he, he EP'd exec produced uh, the primetime show. So to hear all those wonderful stories uh, it's just, I love just sitting around and just hearing them and, and learning from him. So he's involved with our production. He's co-exec producer, Charlie Brzees, who was the head of production for MLW and also ECW's head of production and their uh, top cameraman. Uh, is I got him to come out and uh, also be a part of our production team. So just on the production side, I'm very blessed. I have a dream team there, and I have young guys like Harry Aaron and Bobby Hennis who are amazing in terms of uh, just cinematic shooting. You've seen some of their stuff on MLW 360, our countdown specials that I know you guys have had on WrestleZone. They're great. Uh, yeah, and, they're and, great. And Leo, Leo Artajo, who uh, was our editor on them, uh, just, a, just a genius at that. So I'm surrounded by young, hungry guys and also guys that have a wealth of experience. It's like just the perfect sweet spot for me uh, and for hopefully the, the show. And uh, from the wrestling ops end, yeah, we have everyone from Alex Greenfield, who was at WWE, 
and uh, Mr. St. Laurent, who's been around forever, to George Carroll, who's done a lot with New Japan in the last year. So uh, it's a it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a dream. George really George Carroll responsible for the American expansion of New yeah. Japan pro wrestling. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been at the he's the guy leading the charge for New Japan here in the states, uh, and a guy that I got to see and work with in Ring of Honor when we both were there in 2013, 2014, something like that. And I remember they were just sleeping on him. He was just there, and I remember telling someone, you know, you might want to make that guy your booker. He's pretty damn good. Uh, And just they slept on him. And uh, New Japan, very quickly, it doesn't take long when you're around George to know, He's very talented, and he uh, they've done a lot of great things this year. I think the fans have really enjoyed the results of that. So it's uh, wrestling yeah. karma, I think, has worked out rather well for, for a lot of people. Well, you're, you're talking about all the, and these are all great people. Obviously, yeah. we're big fans of George here. He, he came on, I think, a month or maybe two months ago on the show mm. after they had just done the shows at Long Beach and shared some yeah. insight. And uh, I just know that got a very great response. So also, yeah. obviously a great team you've got. But, you know, a name you haven't mentioned here right now, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of interested about, is Wale. Now, yeah. you have worked in a variety of different creative teams. Every kind of, it seems like every pro wrestling creative team, head, whatever it may be, it's always a snowflake, right? It's a little bit different, you know? What is the, what is the creative dynamic? Does Wale have say in that, or is he just along for the ride? Is he letting you run the show? You know, Wale's a supporter, and and he's he's uh, serving as co-exec producer, so his role's a little different. Uh, but of course, you know, we talk once in a while about you know what we're doing and what the designs are for for the matchmaking. But I don't believe in creative teams. I I have gone through them. I've seen. Uh, I've been subjected to others as when I was a consultant, uh, different companies. I just don't think. The sample size is big enough for me to say I don't I don't feel that they are very effective. They become very political. Uh, they become very disjointed, disruptive. Uh, the best process is usually a uh, two-man team historically, and I, I found that with this process to work pretty well for me. Uh, and and so it's uh, a smaller process where I'm I'm Booker and I have the game plan, and then I I, I have Mr. Saint Laurent MSL as my assistant uh booker and uh also bounce off of guys like alex greenfield etc uh but it's 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 a more classic traditional booking uh process because that's 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 how i was taught and and that i was taught that by gary hart and terry funk and i feel uh it, it's just it, it works better it's more cohesive it's more straightforward um and at certain points, you know, you, you you probably, if you were doing regular shows, would want to alternate like uh, Bill Watts would do and get fresh ideas in there. But creative teams, it's just it's very it's a very tough process, and I've just never found it to really yield great results. Sure, here and there in spots, but in 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 its totality, it's it's a challenge. It, it is, and I think anyone in a creative team will tell you, it's tackle football on concrete. It is not. Uh, the same as, say, back in the day where Vince and Pat worked hand-in-hand in tandem. Or you had um, you know, other bookers like uh, Eddie Graham, and then you had Bill Watts and Gary Hart and down there, or Dusty in the Carolinas. It just seems like that traditional process would work better, at least for my kind of operation. Maybe if you're you know, pumping out the TV that a WWE does, you need all that muscle because you are putting out a gazillion hours a week. How can just one person be charting that course? It is very hard. 
So, you know, for, for what we're doing for MLW in Orlando on Thursday night, uh, a throwback to the old days uh, uh, seems to seems to be working for us because we're it's a smaller setup. Now, uh, my last question here about yeah. MLW one shot, and we're going to go back at the end of the show here. We'll do a formal rundown of all the great action you guys have on the show. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you was obviously you MLW used to promote. How, how long ago was the last MLW show? What's the time frame here? Last show was 2004 and featured uh, Terry Funk and Steve Carino in a barbed wire match. J.J. Dillon attacking the Samoans with a shoe as he was uh, managing the Extreme Horsemen. And we had a very young T.J. Uh, Tyson kid, uh, T.J. Wilson, Harry Smith on it, along with Rocky uh, Romero. And we also had on it Daniel Bryan. Uh I don't remember if CM Punk was on that show or not, but we, oh, Teddy Hart versus Daniel Bryan. That was the, the on the last show we did. And uh, so I think Daniel Bryan ended up beating him up and take, somehow ripping off his pants and they went, they were slugging it out all the way to the back. Uh, so uh, we had a mixture of old and new on that show with guys that were coming up in 2004, like Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan now, and Teddy Hart and Rocky Romero and, and uh, the Bulldogs, Tyson Kidd, et cetera. But, it's been a decade or it's so. Been a, it, it was a little bit more than a decade, but I was very young. Uh, I've been around wrestling since uh, I was a teenager. And uh, during college days, I'd go on the weekends up to uh, the Samoans uh, facility up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and uh, slowly but surely learned my way through the business. And by the time I did MLW, it was probably about 22, 23. And then by 24, 25, I was done with it. Uh, and then moved on to WWE and then did other stuff. But uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I don't think I really had a, a real sense for what it took to be a promoter or certainly not a booker or matchmaker or developing talent until I went through the MLW process. It took it took some time to get an, an understanding. And I think even wrestlers will tell you they don't you don't get it in this most nine out of ten don't get it year one, year two, year three, sometimes it takes up to five or six years. And I think creatively that's true too for, for those on that end of it, but really who's mentoring you. And that was the struggle I had for years is to find someone that could actually show me the booking end of, of the equation, because there weren't a lot of guys that were easily accessible because the territories were gone. It's hard. It is. It's really hard. Um, well, my question was, uh, and we got to jump over here to news in just a second. I, I know we could probably chat here all day about this. I would enjoy that, actually. But what's the big difference here for you now, like in the independent wrestling scene, as opposed to, you know, whatever, 13 years ago when you were promoting then? What's the big change now you notice promoting now? Oh, my God. Uh, the culture in the locker room, let's just start there. That's one. Of, that was like the trigger point for me to do one shot was we do these Wally Mania shows and we were showcasing a lot of young talent this time out at Wally Mania in Orlando in March or April. And we had Will Ospreay there. We had Ricochet and all these guys. And it's just like the energy and what they're doing out there in New Japan and coast to coast in the United States on the independent scene and also abroad. Uh, it, they've really just changed the sport in a way that is so cool in terms of the, the in-ring style, the cutting edge presentation, but behind this done so much to bring the business forward. And it's I, the back in the day, the culture was so different. It was toxic. The ribs played on guys were brutal. Um, now it's more of a collaborative experience and it's such a different tone, more upbeat. Um, you know, it sounds like so, like this false narrative, oh, you know, they just go back to the room and play video games and, and uh, have Mountain Dew. 
they aren't doing all the bad stuff that was killing all the heroes, all these great wrestlers back in the day. They, they, these guys are not. There's always the exception rule, but for the most part, these guys are. Uh, they love the business. They also know they you, they don't live a reckless lifestyle. They've seen their heroes die, and their their the culture the, is so different and so much more positive. And they all are willing to help each other, and also help the company and it, and it's a more collaborative experience it's not promoter versus wrestler it's let's build this together uh and, and create this ecosystem which is the independent scene and and make it as big as possible because everyone wins and that symbiotic relationship has been so uh so successful and so good for the business uh it's rejuvenated these regions like the United Kingdom, you see what's going on in New Zealand now. It's 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 really done a lot of wonderful things, and for the United States as well. So uh, that inspired me. That really did, and uh, that is one of the biggest, most profound things I've seen. Of course, you have technology. You see, social media has been such an incredible tool. You can geo uh, target uh, local communities to to market your show. You can really get the word out more effectively than dumping a ton of money into like radio or doing TV spots. And you don't know if you're really going to get that return uh, here. You can, it's, it's like, a, it really is a science and how you can really target uh, people on Facebook that like WWE and they're in this very spe very specific neighborhood and market your product to them. And hopefully it, it works. And if not, you can fine tune it and find what does work. So it's, it's just a more sophisticated uh, engagement in how you market uh, wrestling now versus then. And plus, there's so much more ways to to get the product out there. You have uh, Pivot Share, which is where we, we we partnered with them for our OTT MLW.TV, which is how you'll be able to watch one shot. Um, and they stream content, and you can watch it on demand or download it. It's it's it. Progress Wrestling uses them. A ton of people use them. High Spots uses them. Um, you have those kind of things at your disposal and, and you didn't have that back then. And you can engage with your community to see what they like, what they don't like, what they're anticipating the most uh, based on uh, feedback on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. You didn't have that. You had maybe message boards and that really played to a very core, core audience, a ferocious audience, but very specific, specific core audience that was much smaller then. So now there used to be a time when people would say, oh, well, that you're just booking for the Internet. Well, the world is the fucking internet now, and that has changed uh, everything. And 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 we're all interconnected now. And it's a smaller world, uh, and so you have a lot more tools at your disposal as a result of that. And yeah. and so it's been and it's been a lot easier and a lot more cost effective than uh, 10, 14 years ago. Wow. Uh, well, talking about the internet, talking about interconnectedness, we're gonna put a button on that right there. We, yeah. we will talk about MLW One Shot more at the end of the show. But guess what? I heard from our buddy who is joining us now for the news. I'm going to bring him onto the line. Hang on, Court. You may flicker sure. out here for just a moment. For all of you yep. out there in podcasting land, what I'm doing right now is I'm connecting. I'm bringing onto the call our good buddy. He is a former WWE, WCW superstar, member of The Click, member of DX, member of DO, NWO, former Cruiserweight champion, uh, he was a former European champion. He is former tag champion. Uh, all right. So, Sean, we just finished talking about MLW One Shot with Court, and we're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna roll right that in. Sounds cool, man. C Court, I'm so happy to uh, to know you're doing that, man. Yeah. No, it's uh, thank you. It's uh, 
you know, I didn't know how crazy it would be to go and do something like this, uh, but it's been super, super easy. I've been, I've been pretty fortunate to be surrounded by good guys that make it, make me look good. <laughs> yeah. People want it, man. And, and I didn't even realize that, that the MLW, like when, when the podcast network and, and all that started, like yeah. was the same MLW from the, from the wrestling promotion. Yeah. 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 We, we basically started it just to sell some DVDs and then we were going to do like 10 podcasts to sell those old DVDs and get the fuck out. Yeah. And then Conan came on and then Cornette came on and then it just blew up. We never expected, we had never had a game plan for any of this. Cause so. there was a little, there was a little gap in between, uh, uh, I don't know how many years in between the promotion and the actual, like, you know, podcast. And all yeah. That. It was about like six, seven years. Cause I went off and did WWE. Then I did, um, strike force and all that stuff. So, it was a long haul before we came back, but I was like, well, let's just dump these DVDs. No one's going to listen to this podcast, but if they do great, we'll interview some of the old MLW guys and get out of here. But I think, I think you were mistaken about, I think you were mistaken about how many people would listen to the podcast court. <laughs> I was really wrong. Evidently. I never thought that, but you know what? The real thing that it was the advertising when that kicked in last year, that changed everything for us. Um, and then now upgrading our advertising support really helped us a lot. Before then, it was like, yeah, we're doing getting our names out there. But that was that was the big game changer. Once you get the ad money, that 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 helped us Sweet. really. Hey, Nick. Nick, sorry I just hijacked your show. No, it's all right, man. Like I, I'm actually probably just going to include all of this because it's like good insight into the the program. So whatever, man. You know how we Sweet. do on Fridays. It's yeah. fun Friday here. It's loose. Uh, <laughs> Do you have any? Do you have any other questions for Court, Sean? Before we get into the news, anything else about MLW you want to know about? Uh no, just I, I was just, uh, you know, if the one shot goes well, is it going to be a two, sh- a second shot? <laughs> I guess yeah. I'll not say never say never, but I, I mean, I'm just trying to get through the next week. I, so I don't want to say no, but I just want to. I kind of want to just see how things plan out, play out. It's uh, yeah, a lot, man. People that don't know that I've never promoted, like, I, especially like, you know, there's different levels of it. And like something like that is a major, uh, major task. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just it's you know, it's when you start in, you think it's easy. And then as the, every week goes on, there's some new challenge, whether it's lighting or the venue or something. And then it's just at the end, you're like, well, everyone gets that point. Like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to, here's the next 10 dates. And then you're like, fuck it. Do I really want to do another 10? I, I just, I have commitment issues, I guess with this, we'll see, uh, we'll see where I am, but it's, it's a fucking tough thing, man. And, and you, yeah. you know, you, I got to that point when I was doing this when I was 22, 23, it's like, man, you're responsible for not just yourself and your pride and, and you know, your reputation, but all these families from the production end to the locker room, and you got to keep the machine running. That's a lot of fucking pressure at any it age. Is. It there, is. It is. That was the that was one of the things that weighed on Vince the most when you know when the whole steroid trial was going on. Yeah. But that you know, and he he actually said this to me. He was like, you know, the thing is, is it's not just me going to jail. It's just all these people, their families, yeah. you know, the talent, everything that depend on me. And 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 you know that is what bothered him the most, honestly. It is. It is because you realize if you have to shut it down, how many people does that affect? Yeah. That that it it just guts you. I mean, it's that's not many people walk that walk, you know, that know that at that level like Vince. I mean, that it is a lot of pressure on your shoulders, and there's no one that can take it off. There really isn't. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to start actually there. That's a good segue into our news here. I'm going to shift up our our run sheet. I sent you guys a little bit. Um, 
There was a Vince story this past week. Of course, the Bullet Club uh, attempted the invasion of Raw on Monday night. And uh, Meltzer reported that he didn't think Vince found that very funny at all. Uh, then, shortly after that, Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, reported that WWE sent a cease and desist letter to the Young Bucks demanding they stop doing the too sweet hand gesture there uh, immediately or else they have to pay 150 grand to the WWE. Uh, the Bucks have been tweeting they're going to find a new hand gesture, and they are auctioning off some of their old trunks with the hand gesture on it for charity. So they're getting away completely from this. Um, is this what you expected, Vince and, and the whole WWE crew, how, how they would react to this quote-unquote invasion, Sean? Uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, I guess, you know, I think it was brilliant of them to do it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like it's like when we did it uh, to WCW, there were consequences. You know, we got we got sued, actually got like technically arrested uh, what? at the yeah, at the actual, at the WCW offices. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't time. that wasn't when you rode the tank in, though. That was when you went to their towers. Right. Yeah. But we you know, but that but all of it was part of the lawsuit. Yeah. Um so, but you know, it was, we have WWE backing us, you know, the whole way. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not surprised by this and uh, I still think it was worth it for those guys that do. It. I'll probably get heat for saying that, but, uh, <laughs> That's true. uh, and, 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 and the truth is, is those guys are way more than uh, a hand gesture, uh, that they, um, that they co-opted from from somebody else like they're just fine without uh you know without those things i think yeah uh, and are you just would you are you surprised they didn't let him in do you think they should have let him in i mean that's one of the things i don't think they tried did they i have no idea court do you know anything about this do you know anything about the the bullet club story i don't think they tried i mean you know they would have been ejected I, you know what's the payoff they would have to it's only it's really only worth it if they can film it and i guess they could fill it with their iphones and stuff but i think the payoff was that the money shot where you see like i don't know if it was a drone or someone climbing high up we see cody and the whole bullet club or the elite um with this big crowd of maybe 50 60 people behind them and they're looking like you know they're marching towards the uh, building that was like the payoff that was like the big i think you, there's all they're gonna do is get kicked out of the building. I mean, that's I don't know what it would, it would have done, or they could go in there, I guess, with signs or something saying, you know, the elite or whatever they wanted. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, I wonder what they do now. Is this the end of it, or are they now things are gonna escalate because they can't use the IP, uh, they can't use the too sweet gesture, etc. Yeah. Now do they have a now they want do they want to fire back? Is there a rebuttal? Uh, well, I guess we'll see, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> so, I, I mean, people are talking about it. I gotta yeah. ask. I gotta ask you, Sean. Right. So you, this is yeah. you're in the huddle here. This is the the card you just got dealt. Do you say, well, we should we should probably leave the dragon alone here, or do you come up with another fun plan? I like Court said. Do you keep egging <laughs> egging them on here? It dep- I guess it depends on if I have Sinclair's backing or not. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Good <laughs> Very good point. Uh, well, let's talk about some other guys from the WWE. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. These guys faced off at WrestleMania 31. Uh, they both won at No Mercy. Uh, again, another Vince story here. That's why I brought it up. Apparently, according to the Observer, Vince really wants these two guys to be strong. He's sticking to the plan of Roman Reigns, the superior challenger, taking on Brock Lesnar, the most dominant superior champion in the company. Uh, you would think for Roman Reigns to win, uh, but that, that part is not explicit here. And they say a spotlight on uh, he notes a spotlight on this match here could start around the Royal Rumble. I'll I'll kick it to you first here, Court. 
It, would you stick to the plan here? Do you think that they should continue on with Roman and Brock, or do you do you feel the tide is turning and maybe you would throw a twist in it here? Well, uh, Vince, when he commits to something, if he's that committed, he's going to pass the baton to Roman Reigns. Uh, that's Everything is building this year to that, to next year, with the final tentpole being Brock Lesnar doing the honors at Mania. For them to veer off would be uh, unusual at this point because it's just – just the, this is Vince's roadmap, and he's very committed to it. And at, the question is, what if it doesn't work? I, yeah, I mean, I I just find it kind of hard to believe that your loudest, most diehard core WWE fans are going to make the most noise are going to be excited about this. There's going to be some match underneath it with like AJ or maybe Jericho uh, or Bobby Roode that that people are going to see is I think the real main event, and this is just going to be the one that Vince kind of handed to them. Uh, Sean, what do you think about it? I, I Kurt's right. Like uh, Vince has this, uh, he has this, he's pretty stubborn when it comes to this stuff, and he likes to stay the course. And the only time I ever seen him not do it was with Lex. That's the yeah. only time. So, I, get, I mean, it's happened. So there is a precedent for him changing his mind on things. Now, do you uh, do you think there's any comparison to be made between Lex Luger and Roman Reigns, or are they completely different? Um, yeah, I think there there is. It's not, and there's also a, a, um, one to be made with with he and Cena. You know, I mean, it's it, it. I think that that's a comparison that I would make more. They both were like force fed, and both are being kind of regurgitated, yeah. or both had, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, Court, do you see the similarity there, too? It was just an interesting name, uh, you say, for Preston, Lex Luger. I guess Lex was just a little before my time when I when I was really into the business there. I do know that he was, like, on top of the mountain at one point, but I feel like it was for a much shorter period of time than Roman has been. The biggest struggle Roman, I think, has is that, you know, he really shows that he can get he can get some, some heat going when they tease going heel with him. And you talk to any of the Simones, they'll tell you, man, since the 60s, when they really got onto the scene in, in Cali, they were always built to be heels. They yeah. are they basically when they're they start getting in the ring at three and four years of age, they are working, thinking as heels. Naturally, they're coming up. They're being groomed as heels. They're career long heels, with the exception of The Rock, with the exception of Rikishi and maybe one or two others. But they're primarily heels. And Roman wants to be a heel. But he understands Vince's point of view, and that money as a babyface is hard to deny yourself. So this is—it's not a Xerox copy of something from yesteryear, as much as different in terms of the talent and how they're developed, and how they're groomed, and how they're built going into this. But Vince is stubborn, and Vince—if you tell Vince he can't do something, he's going to show you he can do it. If the crowd tells him no, he's going to shove it back at them. He will. Now, if business starts to die like it did with Luger, all bets are off. But business for him right now is pretty decent. Yeah, and, right. and and I know you mentioned that there's a comparison to be made between Lex and Cena, and I don't I don't know because I think that Cena is un, you know I don't know that there's much of an argument to be made. I think this guy's a success, right? I mean, he did lose to Roman. He says he's gonna stay around with the company. The news coming out about Cena since the last daily. Uh, he's got cast in a new buddy cop movie alongside Kumail Nanjiani uh, from uh, the big the big love. I think is the name of the movie he was in over the summer. Um, but the observers reporting Cena looks to be back by Survivor Series. I would, I would be, I would be shocked if he's not around come WrestleMania. And I, 
something about me says like Cena's on the verge right now of becoming very, very popular, liked, cheered by wrestling fans because he's not yeah. that Roman Reigns guy right now anymore. Yeah, but what but the, what I was getting at was at the same point in their push. Like, okay, because I mean, how long's how long's the Roman Reigns push been going now? A couple of years? Three years. Three years. Yeah, three years. Three years into the big. John Cena push it. He wasn't. St- he still wasn't embraced by the people at all. Come on. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he never was like fully embraced by the people. That was kind of the right. the fun game of Roman Reigns, right? Girls, right. you know, it's the same thing with Cena, right? Girls and kids, they love Roman Reigns. All the smart guys who who are out there looking for uh, a Waltman styled cruiserweight classic, Juventud Guerrera, they're not going to like Roman Reigns, right? Because that's not what he does. That's not what John Cena does there. Um, Court, do you think that Cena is on the verge of being fully embraced by WWE fans, wrestling fans, because of where his position is in the business? I think a few things have helped John in that the U.S. Open uh, really helped him because he was putting over a lot of young talent that people liked, and I think everyone saw he was so generous. A lot of guys at his position, at his age, they're going to protect their spot and they're not going to be so generous. He was very giving. You look at those matches. They were 50, 50 ratio type matches, really sharp. And the other thing is he went away for a little bit. We got to remember the good. And the last thing we remember is that U S title invitational and he comes back and he's putting guys over, but he's not shoved down our throat. So there's less pushback when you have something like that too. Absolutely. Uh, well, I want to talk about a couple guys a little uh, lower down the card here. So I'm kind of we have so much news to get here. So I'm just trying to roll through it uh, and get y'all's opinions on it. We have some new matches for Hell in a Cell coming out of SmackDown on Tuesday night. Uh, AJ Styles officially taking on Baron Corbin and the Usos are taking on the New Day. And that match is now going to be inside Hell in a Cell. Uh, first, I want to ask you, Sean, what are your thoughts on Baron Corbin uh, right now? There was kind of this story in the past month since we talked about him stepping up as a bit of a locker room leader. Uh, it sounds like uh, when you know they were talking to Do- Dr. Joseph Maroon, he's now going in there against a guy, uh, AJ Styles, who is one of those fan favorites, doesn't work that kind of Baron Corbin style. W- what's your take on this guy right now? Uh, on Baron Corbin? Yeah, on Baron Corbin. Uh, I, 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 th- I think he has a lot of upside. I just think that they were, I think they were just uh, trying to go with him a little too soon, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm a fan of this. I, I just like, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know, you know, what do you need? What does a guy like, (laughs) what does a guy like this need to do to grab you? Like, right. You see that, you see the tools there, you see the potential. What do you think a guy like Baron Corbin needs to do to, to go to that next level and, and grip a guy like you or somebody who's a little bit more ardent wrestling fan? Man, I, I'm not sure I can, I, I'm not sure I don't know, man. What about you? What know, about you? Nick. What about you, Court? What about what do you think Baron Corbin needs to do to be clicking a little bit better? Because what Sean's saying is like what I hear from most wrestling fans. I like the guy; he's big, but I don't get it. Right? He doesn't grab me. Uh, a few things. I think he needs to be repackaged. I think he looks a little bit vanilla. Uh, his selling and his face registering and stuff doesn't really do much for me. Um, 
would, you know, face paint help? Would a new persona (laughs) help? Uh, I don't know. Would a manager help? Definitely. Someone to get heat to get you emotionally invested in this match uh, and his matches. Yeah, that would possibly help. You know, he need just Baron Corbin as Baron Corbin. There's just, what is that? You know, we used to do a thing at WWE. It's like, if you, there's this exercise where if you can't describe a guy's persona or gimmick in one sentence, something's not working here. And with Baron Corbin, I'm like, lone wolf. But what, what is that? He's a what werewolf. Is, that should be his thing. He should be an actual werewolf. <laughs> it, it, teen wolf, anything like that might work right now. Look, kids love, people love werewolves. Who doesn't love a werewolf, right? That's a great idea. He's an action. One day they like open the door and he's like got some hair on his arm, right? Like there's like always like little teases of like, is that guy a werewolf? And then one day you find him in the back and he's just covered in blood and he's ripped the throat out of James Ellsworth. And the thing is, is in the ring, he needs to learn how to to kick it into high gear a little bit more. Lay shit in, yeah. Yes, when 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 the guy's down, and I mean he needs to get that mean streak going, and and I mean bring the heat, man. It it's like I want to see the fire. There's no yes. fire in them, and and, that, and it's almost like he's all he's just one tempo the whole time, exactly. and he just can't. And that's the thing, like with Carlito too, that always frustrated me because he was very talented. He had he had charisma. He had a good look. He had the uh, the pedigree of being a second generation guy, but he couldn't kick it into high gear. Either feeding into the babyface as a heel and getting a guy and getting that heat, it just never, for whatever reason, it just never happened. Yeah, and you know, you see that with a lot of people. I, I if you really like, yeah, just a lot of them, they don't end up at the very top. Uh, and and then- that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And that's what separates a lot of these guys is the ability, you know, to to get to that level. Or and, not. And, a lot, and a lot of people, they can't put a finger on what it is because they'll see these guys doing good moves, have a good look, you know, all these other things that, that a person, you know, that make up the package, but they're missing that, you know? Yeah. That's uh, a big a big part of the equation. Well, uh, let's bring I think on the other side of the coin here, you got the Usos and the New Day. I'm a big fan of both these acts right now. I think their match has been really good. I'm interested to see what they'll do in the cell. I like that the New Day called it the Uso Penitentiary just to kind of personalize the match a little bit and justify using the cell. Um, I'll throw it to Sean. Sean, do you think this is a really special feud? Do you think this is something that's going to resonate? For years to come, I do, I do, and I'm really, and I'm really happy about that because I really like both of these teams, but both of them seem kind of stale for a minute, you know, not too long ago. I know they helped each other; they they built each other yeah. up. It was a perfect storm. They needed each other, and they're bringing the best out of each other right now. Yeah. So and 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 so and I and I'm digging it. I I really am. Cool. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, cool. And the people are digging it too. Oh, absolutely. My favorite is like kids. Kids. When I go to the live shows, I get. I don't know why. My seats. I'm always surrounded by children. Probably because I'm at a WWE show. I forget what I do sometimes. And they love the Usos. Like I'm surprised by that. Like they're just badass, yeah. cool dudes. Like you see them, you're like, that guy's cool. I've seen people like him on MTV. I like those guys, right? And and they yeah. and they and they were and it seemed like they were struggling for a while. Everyone, not I mean, creative them. I'm not sure how that worked, but uh, you know, to find where you know to find that you know that comfortable spot, like where they're at now, and and being able to to cut these really really uh, uh, good promos and and just everything. Their their mic work is fire right now. Yeah. yeah. 
Court, any thoughts here? Any expectations? Or you want to roll on to the next story here? No, I think you guys covered it. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk real fast, too, about another tag team uh, feud that seems to be he- heating up on Twitter right now. Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, the club. They've been calling out the Rock and Roll Express for a match at Starcade. It looks like this match is actually going to happen. Uh, I don't know. Thoughts on this club, Rock and Roll Express? Any, any, any two cents, top line responses to this one? Court. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I think it's, I think for Gallows and Anderson, I think it's probably they're going to have a lot of fun because they both loved the Rock and Roll Express growing up. And when they had their uh, podcast for me on MLW Radio, Talking Shop, they constantly referred to who and uh, made a lot of Rock and Roll Express references on the show, told Rock and Roll Express stories on their podcast, Talking Shop. And uh, to see it come full circle at Starcade in the WWE just like a year and a half later is kind of really weird for me to see that happen. But, hey, the Rock and Rolls get a payday, and it's at Starcade in 2017. That's a trip. Yeah, and it's kind of, I, Yeah, I'm sorry, Sean. Go no, ahead. No, I just – I think that um, – I think they can make something of it. Oh. I really do. Like, oh. I, it's, it's not going to be just like, you know, classic Rock and Roll Express, I don't think, but I think they can figure something out there. Yeah, and you know it's it's been uh, kind of a rough go for the Starcade when the Wrestlecade uh, announcement came back. I know for the fans in that market, that's a tough call, right? They love Wrestlecade. They also yeah. want to be at the return of Starcade right down the street. Um, it is it is nice to see some positive news coming out of this weekend here and build some buzz. I, I, if you're a wrestling fan in the in the Carolinas, this could be a really fun weekend for you. So I'm I'm happy to see it. Uh, I do want to. Get- he- yeah, are they head to head like like? totally like head to head or is there like a way that people can do both um i don't have it in front of me part of me thinks that the wrestle show is in the afternoon on saturday and there's a yeah. the wwe show at night but i could be wrong i think they may also be doing a double header on saturday so don't quote me for gospel you guys can, can go do your own research i know that some fans are just touchy about it i don't know uh let's talk real quickly about ethan page uh he he yesterday put out a tweet uh, that said that he is leaving Evolve. Didn't really seem to want to com- about, comment on it. Uh, there's been all kinds of uh, rumors, allegations swirling around. Flow Slam is definitely suing WWN Live. Uh, Court, I'll, I'll go to you first on this one. Do you what, what do you know about this? What are your thoughts on what's going on here between Flow Slam and WWN? Well, uh, you look at how Flow Slam has found success in – uh, generating subscribers, paying money to watch track and field, amateur wrestling, really good amateur wrestling. Uh, they've even done it for jogging. Yet for the one seemingly easiest uh, piece of content to monetize, being pro wrestling with a diehard base, something went wrong. And whatever that was, however it worked, it's surprising to see this relationship just a year in, 11 months in maybe, Uh go sideways to the extent it has and become such a public situation. The sad part in all this is that uh, the, the, the fans lose, the wrestlers lose because they were booking a lot of shows, getting a lot of unknown talent, uh, an opportunity to be seen on a global basis on the uh, streaming platform. Uh, so I don't know what the ramifications ultimately are going to be of this pending litigation from both sides. Is it going to mean a slowdown in the schedule or the schedule is going to stay 
status quo and uh, what happens when it comes time to do a settlement or if this does go to a, a, a decision, but a judge, a judge making a call on, on the outcome of this. Uh, there's a lot of implications, a lot of concerning things, but uh, none of it's good for fans. None of it's good really for wrestlers and for Evolve, which was really doing a lot of positive things in terms of giving talent a stage to uh, to be seen on, to be discovered, uh, a pipeline to the WWE. Yeah, Sean, what do you think about the relationship with, uh, we'll go to WWE and WWN. I mean, I don't know if you could shed any light on exactly what that relationship is for everyone. Well, I... I, I did have, and I can't remember his name now, uh, but he was running, he was doing something like, uh, he was heading up uh, the Flow Slam, and then he got fired, I think, recently. Uh, anyways, he, I had him on my show. and uh, Jeremy but, Potter? Yes, that guy. But anyways, um, I do know that there was an issue with, when they had the, the WWE UK tournament and all the talent that they they uh, gobbled up uh, at that time. All of a sudden, all the like the the, the WWN shows that you, you know that or not W the Flow Slam shows. The WWN Live was being broadcast by Flow Slam, so it would have been WWN. Yeah, yeah Evolve on Flow Slam. Okay. Oh, the WWN. Okay, so WWN and Flow Slam had. Okay, I'm, I got confused there. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it, buddy. Uh, <laughs> WWN represents. I just, know that they, I just know WWE pulled like was going to pull their talent off of uh, some shows that Flow Slam was uh, was broadcasting. You know, okay. where 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 they weren't they weren't going to pull them off the actual show. They just couldn't broadcast like Tyler Bate or mm-hmm. certain guys like that. You know. So I don't know if that had anything to do with like flow slams. Uh, how how is there? Um, do the people do the customers like it? The one that yeah, I mean I hear mixed responses about the actual flow slam platform and like you know the thing the deal with Evolve was it sounds like you know Evolve was a, uh, a smaller approach, an independent promotion. Yeah. They meet up with Flow Slam. Flow Slam's like, hey, we'll give you money to fancy up your production a little bit, maybe bring in some better wrestlers, and we'll pr- then we'll. We're going to put it out there online. We're going to do the iPaper for you. We're going to handle that for you. And we're going to take a cut of that because we've improved, and probably a bigger cut, I would imagine. I don't know what their contract is, but probably a bigger cut because we're investing in your product to with the intent of selling it on iPaper view. Is that, does that sound about right to you, Court? Yeah. Oh. Baseline? Yeah. It's, you know, with this Flow Slam model was just to have. Um, this blanket deal, but that's how does the economics work? They, I mean, how many subscribers out there will grow every time you roll out um, a new offering of programming? Once you have evolved, is there more diehard fans for other indie wrestling, or are you just now spending money and you're not getting any growth? Um, yeah. You know, the, plus, I, it's, plus it's double what the WWE network is. Yeah, and I can tell you that I was uh, at one point representing AAA's American businesses, and and uh, we had conversations, and their price point for what they wanted, not just for new content, but they also wanted to bundle in old content with that that deal, um, and have the rights for a sizable amount of time for the mo- amount of money they were asking was just it was like uh, it was an easy no. I was surprised, and I, I, it was almost like offensively bad. So. Yeah. It's I, I, sometimes it's a, just knowing the marketplace and knowing a very unique business, which a lot of people have made the assumption that it can. It's hey, if I've done, uh, if I've worked in tennis or I've worked in the NBA, I you know I can do this. It's 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 totally not like that. And and I think there might have been some sort of fundamental hiccups and 
understanding wrestling and the content and the value of it. Um, but you know, well, they're it's, trying it's to a claim, shame. They're trying to claim that Sal misrepresented the numbers or right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that will all come out in discovery. I, I assume, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, I'll, who's who's to say? I'll say this. Like one thing I just routinely heard from wrestlers at shows was they they know that Evolve was making money, but I and I don't go to Evolve shows. Maybe I'd have had a different perspective, but I don't really know that all that money was necessarily being invested back into the production aspect of it. And I think I think it'll just be interesting. Follow the money, right? It'll be a very interesting story. I'm fascinated to hear what Ethan Page has to say. He said, yeah, well, "Yeah, he." I know you were saying that he didn't want to comment, but he does. He just wants some money for it. Yeah, Rob Feinstein already <laughs> tweeted him, so we might see that shoot interview pretty quick here. <laughs> uh, all right, little positive news here to wrap up the show. Uh, we got two things left here. Chris Jericho, uh, amazing, right? He's got the Cruise of Jericho coming out next October, and he just announced he's going to be doing something called Fozzie Across America. It's going to be on October. 14th he's going to be doing three shows in three time zones in 24 hours one in the morning in fort myers florida one in the afternoon in el paso texas and one at night in las vegas nevada what a maniac uh just a very cool thing there and uh last thing rick flair uh he was on the cover of tmz sports in his upcoming 30 for 30 he claims to have slept with 10,000 women he is said to regret saying that out loud because you know he's got kids and grandkids now but I wanted to close with this because, uh, you know, Sean, you're kind of known for, you know, sexy things. You know what I mean? And uh, I have no clue what and, you're talking about. And but, uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't know if you, you wanted to give your number <laughs> out here. I didn't know if we could maybe, you know, get that flare scoop on on Waltman here. You want to give us? A I number? just think that you know, there's no possible way. You don't know that you could even tally the number. You don't think you could figure it out? Oh, oh, me personally? Yeah, yeah, I don't have any clue. But I mean, it's it's <laughs> not it's not as much as most people would think, but it's it's pretty high up there, I guess. Okay. Uh, not 10k. You know, You're saying you haven't gotten close to that 10k Ric Flair level. Neither has he. <laughs> are you saying are you saying that a pro wrestler stretched the truth to get a good headline? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's his story. So, and, and and I'm a huge Nature Boy fan, but come on, let's be serious here. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, show here today. As far as the news goes, uh, I'll be back on Monday. I'm setting the schedule over the weekend, so I'll let you guys know who my co-host is over the weekend. Head over to iTunes. Please subscribe to WrestleZone Radio. Uh, I'll dive into the mailbag on Monday. Hashtag WZ Daily. Uh, if you're in the Chicago area, I'm going to be at the Music Box Theater tonight. Shimmer and Rise. They are doing a dual night event here in Chicago. It is a movie and wrestling night. Tonight, there is a movie at the Music Box called Life, Love, and Lady Wrestling. They're doing a red carpet. All these women are going to be in gimmick or gear, right? They're going to be wrestlers, and I'm going to be covering this red carpet. Beautiful theater, the music box here in Chicago. Go over to Facebook, follow us, uh, or like us on Facebook, WrestleZone. You'll see some live footage there from the red carpet, and I'll be at their show tomorrow night here in Chicago as well, a Shimmer Rise co-production. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll wrap it there. Uh, Sean, before we get to court and we do the hard sell here for MLW to wrap it up, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here at the end of the show? Um, I just that uh, this week on my show Xbox One Two Three Sixty, we talked to we talked to Magnus, aka Nick Aldis, and uh, I guess that's about it, really, man, for for right now. Okay. Uh, well, court, of course, MLW One Shot. Thursday night, October 5th, the Guilt Nightclub, Orlando, Florida. 
Uh, tickets are at MLW.com. You guys have the huge main event of Ricochet versus Shane Strickland. Ricochet is actually going to be my co-host here on the Daily next Tuesday. We've got MVP who's going to be taking on Sammy Callahan. He'll be here Monday as well. Uh, Court, what what are you excited about? What are what are you is on the forefront of your mind as far as like what you can't wait for at MLW One Shot? Well, man, I mean, you you got a good blend of young talent. You got guys like Ricochet who just established themselves as like the top shelf guy in the business as a top free agent. But you also got like Jeff Cobb, who's a suplexing machine and Olympic wrestler taking on a UFC fighter and filthy Tom Lawler for the first time ever. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. I have a feeling that's going to be more of like a Japanese strong style fight. Uh, I think Callahan MVP is going to be a hell of a brawl probably. Uh, and then you have guys like Maxwell Jacob Friedman up and coming big mouth New Yorker against uh, Jimmy Utah uh, Wheeler Utah to some that's uh, coming off of a summer where he was in the Michinoku Dojo um, and uh, mentored by Hakushi uh, great Sasuke and Ultimo Dragon also wrestled for Michinoku Pro a lot. So you have two great prospects there. Then you have the return of the super heavyweights with uh, 420-pound Barrington Hughes, who's a little bit JYD, a little bit Mark Henry, uh, a little bit Bundy, uh, just a big dude. Uh, so you have a little bit of variety on the show. I'm a big proponent of having every type of match, every type of wrestler. So we hope to showcase that this Thursday at Guilt Nightclub in Orlando for MLW One Shot. And uh, if you can't be there, you can get it within 72 hours on demand at MLW.TV with NXT's Rich Brennan, formerly of NXT, now Rich Bokini, calling it along with Tony Schiavone after 16 years away from the business. We got him back in the booth, and he's calling uh, One Shot, One Night, One Time Only. Uh, and that'll be $4.99 on MLW.TV. But if you want to be there live, we still have a few GA standing room only tickets available. I encourage you to get them now. They're $15 at MLW.com. Or if you want to get them at the door, if you want to be ballsy and wait, they're probably going to be about $20. So get on over to MLW.com. You can see our countdown special, MLW 360 and Ricochet and Strickland, which is very much like UFC embedded. We bring you inside their lives. It's pretty cool. They're only two minutes each. Uh, Learn all that stuff and more at MLW.com. 